Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Friday, May 5th, 2023. Okay, it's a little before noon right now, 11.58 uh, a.m. Sorry, Eastern Time. Uh, markets are generally up today, rebounding off of the uh, loss, losses yesterday due to issues with the regional bank stocks. We have the Dow Jones Industrial uh, up 1.17%, S&P 500 up 1.45%, NASDAQ Composite up 1.75%. Okay, we had a big labor report come out today for the month of April. Uh, market was expecting about 170,000 new jobs will be created. Number shows 253,000 new jobs were created. And that the unemployment rate at 3.4% is now tied for the lowest uh, monthly numbers since 1969. Now, that would normally be a negative uh, to the market to fear that uh, in a tight labor market, companies will have to continue to raise wages to attract employees and would pass them on at higher cost. Uh, but the market is right now shaking that off, uh, I think partly due to a recovery uh, in the uh, regional bank stocks after the big market sell-off yesterday. And also on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve and its Federal Open Market Committee meeting uh, did uh, announce it was increasing interest rates by one quarter of a percent as expected but gave indications it may now pause future interest rate increases, at least for the time being. The reason being, you know, I've talked about this on previous sessions, when the Federal Reserve, central banking system of the United States, makes a change to interest rates, as well as the money supply, in this case to combat inflation, trying to slow the economy down, it doesn't see the full results for nine to 18 months. So the Federal Reserve now is looking to take a pause and see how the cumulative interest rate increases, uh, what effect they may have. So the markets did like that also. Also, corporate earnings are still coming in strong. Apple came in with really strong numbers. Uh, so basically, uh, the markets, uh, again, are up, at least as of right now. So what's going on with the regional bank stocks? Talk about that. Uh, First Republic Bank. Uh, they're a, basically with banks, you have three categories. You have national banks, uh, branches nationwide, like JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and so forth. You then have regional banks that have branches just in a specific, you know, multiple regions. And then you have local banks that might have branches in just one specific town or city. Okay, so what's been happening uh, with these regional banks? First Republic is headquartered out of San Francisco. Uh, they have branches in California, also South Florida, New York City, and I believe a couple in the New England area, 84 branches. They go after a very high income clientele. And what happened about a week ago, they issued their earnings report and the numbers were not looking good. Uh, apparently they've got a very large number of mortgages that they had previously uh, issued at relatively low interest rates. Anyway, what happened is investors, banks only keep a small percentage of their deposits in their vaults, reserves, usually around 3%, although it varies. What happened 
is when people get nervous, the idea with banks is they assume not everybody's coming in at once to get their money. Well, what happens though uh, is investors heard about the financial trouble knowing that there were other regional banks out in California that recently had issues, Sovereign Bank and so forth, and they take their phones out, begin immediately withdrawing their money, moving it to the big banks like J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and other places, and that created, and then that creates a, a um, spiraling effect. People hear about that going on on the internet. More people take their money out, specifically since a lot of their high-income clientele apparently had deposits there well beyond the $250,000 federal protection limit. So what happened, the bank basically came crashing down as the assets were withdrawn. So the uh, FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, had to step in to take over First Republic and then arrange for J.P. Morgan Chase to take over the account. So basically uh, what happened as of last Monday, First Republic branches immediately reopened as J.P. Morgan Chase. So that's what's been going on. But there's fear it will happen with other regional banking stocks as depositors begin moving their money to other larger institutions. So we've had a big sell-off with those that dragged the market down. But the feeling today is that might have been they might have been oversold and we might have had a lot of what's called short selling going on where investors borrow stock on the assumption it'll go down. They borrow it from brokerage firms, sell it, hope to rebuy it back later. All right, so we got that news. Uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission has awarded $279 million to a whistleblower. That is the, that's double the highest amount it has ever paid. Basically, the way the Securities and Exchange Commission whistleblower program works, if somebody is aware of an individual or company that is embezzling money, violating securities laws, if you become a whistleblower, you, you're, um, you, you stay anonymous. They gave no information as to who this money went to, what company it involved. Uh, but basically, they will give you up to 10 to 30% of what they uh, can recover. Usually, though, they only look the they only uh, the whistleblower program. Usually, it has to be at least a million dollars that could possibly be recovered. But anyway, so they got that. I know the IRS has also got some kind of thing like that, where if you turn in somebody not um, paying taxes, they give you a portion of that. I think it has to be at least a million, two million dollars, though, that they might recover. So, anyway, we got that news. Okay, we also have the coronation of King Charles III happening um, tomorrow, Saturday. Now, uh, there's, some, there's obviously controversy about this. Uh, most of the existing monarchies today no longer have coronation ceremonies. It, it's, it's, um, it's ceremonial. King Charles became the king immediately on the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. So anyway, most monarchies in Europe and other parts of the world no longer have coronation ceremonies. They got rid of them decades, if not centuries ago. I read that Spain's last one was actually back in the 16th century, but anyway. Uh, the controversy is the cost. Uh, it's estimated that the coronation ceremony, even though it is smaller than his mother's, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, 1952, it's estimated it's going to cost about $125 million. And part of that money, although undisclosed what, how much, will be paid by the British government, ultimately by British taxpayers, the other part paid by the monarchy. Okay, so the argument is, you know, why are they, why are they spending that kind of money? Britain has high inflation, they've got um, employment issues, lots of economic issues over there. The other side, the other side argues though, yeah, but it brings in $150 million in economic um, stimulus as people arrive for the ceremony, 
They stay in hotels, they spend money at restaurants, shops, souvenirs. So they say, well, no, it, it's, um, it brings in $150 million more than it costs. That argument's a little more complex, though. That assumes that $150 million would not be spent somewhere else. So anyway, well, we got that going on. So what else do we have here? I've got a few other things here. And then today I'm going to do an introduction to the world of bonds. Okay, we have the Writers' Strike. Writers Guild of America has gone on strike as of Tuesday. The writer's main issue is that when they write for streaming services, TV shows on streaming services, they're getting paid half versus writing for network TV. But one of the main reasons is the number of episodes. See, if you write for a show on network TV, it's usually going to have 22 to 26 episodes for a season. Yet, if it's a show that's on a streaming service, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, all the rest... Uh, Usually, it, maybe it's 10 episodes, and so they get paid less than half, uh, and so that, that's part of the issue. So anyway, they've gone on strike. Who does it affect immediately? Late-night talk shows have already gone on hiatus. Saturday Night Live has gone on, on hiatus. Question, though, came up, how does it affect the movie industry, which is still recovering from COVID, particularly theaters? It won't have an immediate effect. The reason is that Movies that will be coming out later this year and in 2024 have already been mostly filmed. The writing's done. The main parts of the movies have been filmed. They're now in post-production. It will affect movies past that, though. Even if the writer strike ends, say it goes on for a while and then ends, you still may see a gap in new movies coming out. Question also came up about, I heard somebody asked me about WWE. Uh, WWE actually issued a statement. Their CEO, Nick Khan, says that the company fully supports the writers and the writer's strike, but it will not affect WWE. Their writers are not part of the union. So we had that news also. Okay, what else we got here? A uh, few other things. Uh, yeah, speaking of streaming companies, Warner Brothers Discovery, that's the new company from the merger, uh, they reported a, a large loss for the late last quarter. But their streaming service, uh, HBO Max, and as well as some others, uh, they're going to change, I know, that name of it at the end of the month. But anyway, uh, basically, they, they said it turned a profit a, a year ahead of time. One way they did it is they just basically got rid of a lot of shows that were on the streaming service. They kept attempting to declutter it. One argument with Netflix is they've got so many shows on there, it's hard for people to find stuff. Well, anyway, HBO Max dropped a lot of shows. They said they were they were little watch shows. A lot of them were children's shows. Um, so the question then comes, if they're already filmed and already on there, then how does dropping it from the service save them money? The reason is that if it, they, they have to make, when, when shows are still on the service, in many cases, they have to pay residual payments to the actors. I use actors for male and female, the writers, producers, everything else. And by dropping those shows, they no longer have to pay the residual payments. So whether it's right or good or wrong, it's, it's the way it is. Uh, and then there's the feeling they might then be able to um, sell those shows to other services. So they may not disappear completely. Okay, so we had that news also. Uh, let's see what else there here. I think that was, oh yeah, one last thing. Something to keep an eye on, Hasbro announced yesterday that some of their traditional board games, uh, they specifically mentioned uh, Trivial Pursuit, 
Scrabble, Game of Life, there may have been others. They came out with new versions yesterday geared towards older adults. Basically, everything's bigger. The writing's bigger, the pieces are bigger, and so forth. Uh, they're saying this is a massively growing market. Uh, older people wanting to play these board games. So, might be some opportunities there. Uh, keep an eye on Hasbro stock. That could be something to look at. So, anyway, we got that news also. All right, so to finish up today, I'm just going to start out with a general introduction to the world of bonds. What is a bond? All right, here's stocks and bonds. Okay, bonds are loans to governments or corporations. So they, they actually they're actually fairly simple in concept, although there's a lot, of, lot with the detail. All right, but here's how they work. Let's say you're gonna lend money to the United States government. Okay, in this case, you'd be lending it to the United States Treasury. So it's called a treasury bond. Now, most bonds are in increments of $1,000, although there, there are exceptions, all right. So let's say that you lend the United States government $1,000 for 10 years, okay? Let's say the government, the treasury, offers you 3% a year interest. I'd have to check current rates, but let's just say three for now. Okay, so basically here's, here, here's what you're getting. Uh, you lend $1,000 to the United States Treasury for 10 years. They offer 3% a year interest. That means you would get $30 a year interest for each of the next 10 years. Then at the end of 10 years, you get your $1,000 back. So you get $300 total interest plus your $1,000 back. Simple and easy. Okay, so with treasuries, you can actually make a loan to the U.S. government as little as overnight. They will pay it back tomorrow uh, with interest up to uh, up to 30 years. All right, so we'll, we'll talk more about treasuries another day. But that, that's basically how it works. Now, we do have other governments here, though, in the United States. Right, some of you are saying, yeah, I, I knew it. Illuminati, New World Order. Well, maybe, but I'm talking about city and state governments. So you can also lend money to, like, city and state governments. The state of Florida, as example, um, I live here in Central Florida, the city of Orlando, Orange County. Uh, those are municipalities. So you can do the same thing, you can lend money to, to local you know, state governments, municipalities. Now the interest on municipal bonds, as they're called, is exempt from federal income taxes. Uh, I'll talk more about that another day. Uh, just like the interest on federal treasury bonds is exempt from state income taxes. Okay, so you can lend money to municipalities. You can also lend money to corporations, you know, Disney, Walmart, whatever it might be. Uh, it works basically the same way. Now, the uh, oh yeah, municipal bonds, the interest is, is lower than treasury bonds. So it really depends on somebody's tax bracket. If a person's in a high tax bracket, we used to usually just say, go with the municipal's tax-free interest. If a person's in a low tax bracket, just buy the federal bonds and just pay the interest. Okay. Uh, one thing also, even though we're called stockbrokers, we're automatically bond brokers also. Okay. And then finally, uh, you can also lend money to corporations. I mentioned Disney, Walmart. Uh, it works the same way. Now, the interest on corporate bonds is fully taxable at both the federal, state, and local level. However, they tend to pay higher interest than the government bonds. Okay, so that's just the very start of how bonds work. Now, uh, in, in upcoming sessions, I will go into much more detail. You know, we got everything from bond ratings, maturities. There are other types of government-backed bonds besides treasuries. 
uh, government back bond, uh, government mortgage security bonds. It's just all kinds of stuff. But we'll talk about that on upcoming sessions. Okay, so hope everyone's doing well. Again, Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and I will talk to everybody again soon. Take care. See ya. <laughs>